vulnerability really is your strength. It, it's not your weakness. And even as a performer, that's something that I've tried to become more and more. And I think it's made me a better performer. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and you're listening to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And this episode is epic. Like, I actually had to decide to make this into two episodes because I had such an amazing conversation with Myla Smith, and she had so many nuggets to share with you guys, so much wisdom, so much experience, that she's been through so many different facets of, of you know, things that go on in her career that I think you guys can learn from that I was amazed. Like I could have talked to her for hours and we did talk for over an hour. So we split this into two episodes. Last week was the first. If you missed it, go check it out. And this one is the second. So I just want you to really soak all this in. And if you need to go back and listen to it again, I highly recommend it because she's got so much great stuff to say. And before we get to Myla and my conversation, I want to remind you, if you didn't hear last week, we just opened the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective. And I'm really excited about all that's going on in there. We've got great training being put up all the time. We've got expert webinars. We've got Q&A webinars where you can get specific help with things in your career. And we've got the Facebook community that's a private secret group that um, only people that are members of the academy can be in. People are in there networking, learning from each other, asking questions. It is just such a great community. So if you want to check it out, go to femalemusicianacademy.com or you can go to femusician.com and grab our free resource, 19 Proven Sources of Income that you probably haven't considered for your music business. And when you do that, you will get a special discount for the Female Musician Academy. So check that out. We'll also be giving away one free month of the Female Musician Academy to some lucky person who reviews us on iTunes. So if you haven't done that yet, go to iTunes, either on your computer or on your mobile device, and go give us a rating and review. All you have to do on your mobile device is just go and search for us under the little search icon and find female entrepreneur musician um, next to the details tab it says ratings and reviews click on that and then click write a review it's as easy as that and we will draw randomly at the end of the month to see who wins so i don't want to give too much away about myla smith because we talk about so much stuff so here's a short little bio about her myla smith is a singer songwriter from memphis who has several critically acclaimed albums to her name her most recent full-length album, Hiding Places, garnered critical praise from Billboard and CMT Edge. Her most recent project was a live album recorded at the legendary Memphis venue, The Levitt Shell. Well, I, I noticed that um, 
you recently have had, I don't know if you still do, but you've had a PR agent, you know, at some point and, and you have different people helping you out on your team. I would love to hear about, you know, the kind of the people that you have involved in helping you. Cause obviously, um, you know, you're busy with your accounting stuff and, you know, I hear from musicians all the time, like if I, I can't handle all this business stuff. I don't have any time. I can't do any of the creative stuff. How can I write music, yeah. you know, when I have to do with social media and, you know, everything else. Right. So who do you have that helps you? Well, um, right now I'm actually kind of in a, um, I'm in a somewhat of a hiatus period um, from that because I've got, um, I j- I, the last four years I put out a record every single year. And of course, you know, there's a ton of promotion, a lot of fundraising that you have to do to cover those types of expenses because there's just no other way um, that you can get that done. Anyway, I was working with um, a team uh, locally in Memphis um, called Signal Flow PR and have a great working relationship with them. They, it, that, has, that was another piece to me that just felt like such a, ah, oh, like, oh, great, you know, some more people that I can actually have um, to bounce ideas off of that you feel like, you know, you're not alone in this, um, which is so, you know, it's such a relief when you are a solo artist, um, because even if you're a band, at least you have got the other guys in the band, you know, but um, when you're a solo artist, it can just feel so overwhelming. Um, and you do spend a lot of times do spend a lot of time if you're doing everything yourself you spend a ton of time doing all these things that are not music they're really just like administrative you know promotion and stuff like that um i started working with signal flow uh, right after i um released drugs in 2012 and they worked with me all the way through the release of my last record live at the levitt shell And then I just decided that I needed um, to take a much needed break um, because like I had I had put out, like I said, a record every year for the last four years. And there was really no juice left for me as far as like creating, writing songs and just having that space to do that. Um, So I'm not working with anybody now as far as like publicity, but I fully intend to get back into that again when I have my next project. Um, So for me, it's going to need to be sort of like a project by project basis. And I I think that that's what a lot of people are doing um, because the, the way that I'm kind of seeing the industry evolve um, as the labels kind of, you know, the big old timey labels are you sort of falling by the wayside and you see a lot more independent artists coming up that, the great thing about that is the fact that, you know, there's a lot more music out there than there ever has been before. And the barriers to entry are gone. You know, pretty, I could record a song on, you know, my laptop today and have it on TuneCore tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, and it'd be on iTunes and, you know, the world. But the downside to that is that, you know, when it really is like everything is up to you. So you are, you are the label. Even at the end of the smaller independent labels, they don't have a big budget to work with. So there's still a lot of it that's kind of up to you. Whereas, you know, with the old labels, they had deep pockets. So they're funding a lot of that stuff. Since it is up to you now, you kind of do have to collect your own team, put assemble your own team, and then also the fundraising part um, to pay for the team. So that is, I'm seeing that kind of that pattern emerge where it's, 
more on like a project by project basis where you would fundraise um, through all the different, you know, there's lots of fundraising platforms now that are available to artists. Um, and you kind of fundraise for your project costs, like if you want to do a new record or a new single or whatever it is. Um, and then you can, um, you know, sort of assemble your team for or reassemble them if for um, working, you know, for that period of time to promote that project. And then okay, so you build the the PR and the, your team costs into the crowdfunding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes sense. All of that's in there, and in fact, I've seen, I've seen it like actually um, detailed out on some people's pages where you know they say like this is what the money is going for. You know, it's for a radio promotion team. It's for mm. publicity. It's for um, you know like. Oh my gosh, there's just so there's so many different little slivers of promotion um and different ways to sort of like put your music in front of people. So Right, like press releases yeah. for, you know, regular press. And, yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. And really, truly, like as a even as a um, you know, a businesswoman and a musician, I cannot become an expert on in all of these fields. Like I I can't. So it it really doesn't you can do a lot to promote yourself, but you're never going to be able to do it to the degree that somebody that's actually in that field would do. You don't have the connections, you don't have the skill set, and you sort of don't have time to really become an expert in all of these different things. So that's why they used to have labels. So, you know, they can hire all of these different people and then have them all do it. So, yeah, the, but that's kind of... That's kind of where I'm seeing things um, is doing this funding for all of that stuff on a project by project basis. And then you can really put out a record the right way, um, because that that's something that I've kind of um, struggled with to figure out like, OK, you know, the 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 I know the, what it costs by now. I kind of have a better idea of like what things cost um, to put out a record the right way. Um, and sort of like trying to trying to balance that with like you know how do you do that um to be able to put out a product that you really psyched about because I don't really think that anything's going to do well if you don't care about it or you don't really think it's that great like you have to really believe in it and think that like this was my best effort this is my best stuff um I love this project how do you do that when you know the costs are so high like you know you you just kind of have to figure out a way to um, reduce, do as much, do as much yourself as you can, but you still have to focus on the music in order to make it a product that people love. So it's it's a balancing act to figure out like, you know, how putting your team together, fundraising, music making, it's all, it's all kind of a balancing act. What do you think the cost versus benefit of putting out an EP versus a full length album? Because you still have certain costs of promotion and stuff, which are the same, whether the album is long or short. Right. But, you know, but yet then it will cost less to produce it because it's fewer songs. Right. And, you know, some are some of those, you know, I don't think anyone really believes any songs on their album are throwaway songs, but, you no. know, there are ones that are are bigger than others. And, you know, so I know you've done both. Uh, yeah. What was your experience? I've done both. I've actually done singles too. So um, I've kind of tried them all. And um, I I see a lot of people going 
to singles, like where they're, and I'm, when I say that, I mean like independent artists, you know, people that would be like mm-hmm. me. Um, I see them doing a lot of singles for the first thing that you mentioned, the, the fact that like it's just cheaper to make a single. And yes, you you have to pay the same, The like the promotion cost would be the same, but um, but the actual cost to make it and put it out are lower. And so that's what I'm seeing more of just, and that probably comes from just a pure cash flow point, you know, because that you don't have to wait so long to build up more money, even though like it's the economies of scale are probably better if you make a full length record because, you know, you're paying your musicians to um, be in the studio and cut everything at the same time. So usually it's cheaper that way. And you're, um, there's some built-in discounts when you do any sort of like, you know, a bigger project. Even ordering like CDs, you know, they build in discounts for the more quantity that you have mm-hmm. press. So, which you'd probably get more if you have a full length. So yeah, that the economies of scale are actually better if you do a full length record. But the cat, you have to you have to fundraise more, which takes longer and is harder to do. So that's why I think I see more people doing singles, um, you know. Cause it's, do you think people respond to crowdfunding for singles versus albums? Um, I actually haven't done a crown, crown, sorry, the crowdfunding for a single yet, but and I haven't, I'm not sure I could speak to that because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the difference. I haven't either. That's why I was wondering if yeah. you might have seen it. I, ha- I haven't, I haven't necessarily seen the crowd crowdfunding for singles, but I've seen um, crowdfunding for EPs as small as like three songs. So mm. I, I could sort of see that happening where, you know, you release, you release a single and then you release another single and then you release your third single and you call it an EP and then you do a crowdfunding campaign for the EP, which pays retroactively for the cost of the mm. two previous singles. That makes sense. I'm going to I'm going to have Ariel Hyatt on here and talk to her about crowdfunding in a little bit when her book comes out. So I'm going to ask her that question. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> tuning into that because I, I really just think the whole thing is like there's we're all figuring it out where everybody is trying to figure out like, how is this going to work? Like, how are we going to, how are we going to make music in the future? Like, cause I've always said, like, I want to, my goal is to make music my whole life. I never want to stop. So with that in mind and a goal being something I have a hundred percent control over. So, <laughs> you know, I think I can do that. I can make music. Um, but it's, the question of like, okay, but how are we going to do it um, in a way that makes sense that you can actually sustain? That is, I just think we're we're just going to have to keep learning um, from other people. Right. Well, what is the most mind-blowing experience that you've had, like as far as either on stage or, you know, you talked a little bit about your viral experience, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, what would you say is the one thing that you think, oh my gosh, pinch me, I can't believe this is happening? Yeah, I... um. I thought about that and probably the, I've had some really cool experiences. Like it was incredibly cool when I I had a song get on TV, um, the show justified the beginning of this year. And that was pretty, pretty darn cool to hear my song, my, my voice on a national television show is pretty cool. But, but honestly, like probably more than that was, um, when I made hiding places, um, I, had put 
uh, out. I just sent an email to this producer in Nashville that had produced several records that I was a big fan of. And he didn't know me at all. And I really did not expect to ever hear anything back. Um, But it was just one of those things like, what would it hurt? Why not? I'm just going to do it. And he actually not only responded to me, but asked me to send him songs, you know, and then, you know, fast forward, we ended up, you know, doing a record together in Nashville, which was Hiding Places in 2013. And the experience of that was the first time that I'd, you know, gone away somewhere to make a record. And it was also the first time that I was working with, like, everybody that I was working with was a new musician. I didn't know them. Um, It was all guys that, you know, he worked with and he felt really comfortable with and knew would be great for for the songs. And the first week when we recorded, I'm meeting all these people in the studio who are, who have all worked with, like, recently, like, as of the previous week, people that were legends. You know, so I've got these people that I'm like shaking hands with playing songs with because we're all we we track that record live. A lot of it was live. Um, So we're all playing together as a band, like in the studio. And I'm playing with the guy that, you know, plays guitar with Emmylou Harris and Mm. the keyboard player for Patty Griffin. And, you know, um, and I'm just like, I really it was it was incredibly overwhelming to me in an emotional way. Like I've the like that Friday when I went, I drove back to my hotel. Like I just remember <laughs> I was driving down the road and I just remember weeping because it was it was such a dream. Like I, I couldn't really believe that these people that were, you know, playing on these people that I would like were heroes to me. Um, I couldn't believe they were playing my songs that I wrote. And it was just almost too much to to handle. You know, you just you kind of never think that that would really happen. You say, oh yeah, that would, I would love that to happen, but you kind of don't really, you're not really ready for it when it really does happen. Um, and so that was, that was just one of those mind blowing, like emotional moments for me. Um, that like, even as I'm talking about it now, I'm getting a little bit choked up oh my <laughs> because, gosh. because it was just, you know, it's such a dream come true. And those are really the things that I hang on to. Um, because some of the other like big things like, oh, you know, my you, my video went viral, but I don't know any of those people, you know, and, and these were like these were five guys that like I had ultimate respect for. And they were sitting there playing my songs and telling me like, this is a great song. And for me, like nothing could mean more like it was it was such an affirming um, experience. So making that whole record um, really was a huge a huge, like, you know, confidence boosting experience for me. It was very, very formative. Mm, Well, and that record clearly to me is like probably your best songwriting. It is amazing. Like that song hiding places. It gets to me every time I hear it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. That's one of my favorites too. And that, that is actually, it's funny because like before I did that record, I spent a little bit of time um, in Nashville doing some of the song pitch things to the country market and that was one of the songs that I played for them and their their comment to me was well you know it's a it's a great song but I just don't think that anybody is gonna get it it's like a sympathetic song about you know addiction and I I don't really think that that is has any market and I was like well 
what? I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but I was like, well, okay. You know, they just. Oh my gosh. You know, anybody that's ever dealt with anything like that. I know. Completely identifies with that song. Well, they just, they weren't my audience, you know? And, I guess not. And so, you know, but I knew I, with that song, I just, I knew that an audience was out there for that because who hasn't, who hasn't, you know, had that experience in their life? Like everybody has everybody can point to some person that they know, mm -hmm. or even it might be themselves. That's like, Oh my gosh, I know exactly how that feels. So, but I'm yeah. glad you like it. Thanks. Oh no, I really <laughs> do. And I, I, I want to know what made you decide to put out number one in live album and number two, only on vinyl. Am I correct? It's only on vinyl. No, no, it's actually, it's not vinyl. Um, it's a, it's a double disc, but it's CDs. It's still, Oh, it's CDs. Yeah, okay. It's, I thought it was vinyl. No, it's a double disc. Um, but it, no, it's not vinyl. Gosh, I would love. Cause I've seen people doing that lately. I have too. Um, and I, when actually I wanted to release hiding places, um, on vinyl also. Um, but I, I couldn't, the prices didn't work out. Like I, I just didn't think I'd be able to, to sell enough of them right. to, because you have, you can't, it's not like with CDs where you can pretty much print as few or as many as you want, but vinyl works a little bit differently. And, um, so you have to order like a certain quantity and mm. it's just more because there's, it's just, you know, more delicate processes. There's just more expensive to cut them. But one of these right. days I will have a vinyl record one day. I will. <laughs> I got to figure out a way to play it. I still don't have a record player in my house, but I, I would love to because I remember the days, you know, there's my youth when I played. <laughs> there's something different about it. Like, um, we, we have a record player and, um, one of my favorite, mo like more modern records is the John Mayer continuum record. Um, I absolutely love that record and we got that on vinyl and it is different. Like I've, I listened to that record like, you know, a hundred times, but then when we got it on vinyl and I played it, I was like, there is something different about this. Like it, it sounds, it sounded different and it, it, I don't think that it would work for, um, for everything. Like, especially a lot of like super polished pop music. Like I'm, I don't know why you would get something on vinyl like for that, but, but especially the moodier music, um, I, oh man, the country stuff, like it, it really kind of sparkles on vinyl. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, so so it's a double disc. It's a double disc. Yeah. It's, it's, it's live. Okay. 20 songs. Mm -hmm. And we actually had to cut down a few because the concert was almost two hours long. So um, we had to cut down a few, which I hated to have to make those cuts. But <laughs> mm. well, I saw the video and people seem to be having a very good time at the concert. It was. It, it, oh, man, that was such a great night um, a little bit over a year ago. And. The I mean, the weather was absolutely perfect. And, you know, the Shell is an outdoor amphitheater. So you just, you're always risking, you know, with weather. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that night just felt like it had been made to order. It was, the weather was perfect. It was beautiful. There was probably like a thousand people out there on the grass. And I didn't actually know that until I literally walked out. Like they're playing, like, we were there. My band is playing like the first, um, you know, licks of like the first song and I'm walking like out onto the stage and I see all like thousand people. And I was just like, what, you know, a thousand people here to see me. Like <laughs> it was just crazy. It, I still sort of can't believe it, but 
it was an awesome night. And then that whole record just like that. Um, we, I just actually decided that you have to decide beforehand that you're going to record it, um, with the intent, like, you know, this would be a really cool record to put out. Um, cause I, I didn't have anything live. Um, and it kind of, when I got that concert opportunity, I was like, you know, the, the shell's a historic location. It's a historic venue. Um, it, you know, it, I don't have any live recordings, um, it kind of makes sense to me that I would put this out and kind of be like a little bit of a greatest hits because the concert has a little bit from every record that I've done, including some of my singles that I've released online only. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just thought it made sense, but we're like, okay, but you know, it, it might be a terrible night. Like we might sound awful, you know? So, you know, well, I paid for just, you know, the the recording, but like, you know, still we weren't sure. But that night, like, we were just on and it felt like the energy is what I really love the most about that, um, record. Because when you hear it, like it just, any kind of live record has a different energy than something that's cut in the studio. Even if you record it live in the studio, it's still going to sound different. And so I love the energy from that night. Cause I just, rem- it takes me back there. I remember like how excited I was and how kind of like I really, I felt so rock and roll. Like I, I don't always get to say that, but I felt so rock and roll that night. I got to play my electric. I had my full band behind me. I was on this big shell stage. And so it was just a cool night. It's a pretty neat looking venue. I've, I've never seen it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I should have gone there when I was in Memphis. Cause that's really neat. It is cool. They actually spent, um, it, the, his, it, uh, I can't remember when they built it, but I know that Elvis Presley, like had his first concert there. Oh my gosh. So, wow. Yeah. Um, and then a whole bunch of other people over the years. So, and then maybe like five, seven years ago, somewhere in there, they spent a lot of money to revitalize it, put in a new sound system and it sounds great now. So they have a big concert series during the summer. Yeah. And how has the live album gone over with your fans? Do they, did they respond? Oh yeah, they, they responded. Um, it's been great. I'm, you know, I'm always encouraged. Um, anytime I get somebody that actually wants to buy physical, you know, and with this, with this record, I only released it physical just because I was like, you know, this is a, this is kind of a special, it's kind of a special thing. And, um, you know, it's like the one, you know, this was one moment in time. This was, this is a live record. It's a double disc, you know, all of those things. I just felt like let's do something that's a little bit special um, in how you would get it. Because I, I kind of did feel like it was it was going to be more for like real fans that, you know, wanted to actually like hold the record and look at the photos from the night. And all the artwork are just fan photos that they submitted, like that they took. that. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I I'm always encouraged when people do want physical. Cause I think that it's kind of, it's more of like a, a fan thing, you know, to actually want the, want the actual disc. Definitely. And I hear still people say, you know, Oh, nobody's buying CDs anymore, but I disagree. Like if you really okay. wow your fans, if you have super fans, they'll buy all your CDs. Yeah. I, I would say that for sure. In fact, <laughs> I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of international fans that always buy physical and I'm continually amazed because they don't have to do that. Like it would be so much cheaper for them to just download it 
because they don't have, we wouldn't have to pay for the shipping. International shipping is pretty steep. Um, right. So, but they don't. They always buy physical of everything, and I'm always like so so surprised and you know pleasantly so because like they want they want to hold it like they want the actual like signed copy and so i because like the physicals i i sort of do recognize that that if you're buying physical like it means that that you really are like a real fan i always try to put in little special things in the packages like little lanyaps just to be Mm. you know notes from me and little extra things just to be like hey you know i really appreciate this you know it, it means something to me so yeah um so. That's cool. That's a special connection. Yeah. And I, that's kind of, that's what I really love about music the most is that it's connecting ability. And I think that that's more important than ever because we're living in like this extremely disconnected world where we're, we're more plugged in than ever before, but people feel very disconnected from one another. And right. um, I just, I've always thought that music had this amazing ability to connect you hear a song and you don't know the person that's singing it or wrote it, but you relate to it. They're like, and suddenly you feel like that person understands you and they don't even know you. And it, there's just this amazing connecting quality um, that I love. And I think it's very powerful. And so it's to me like trying to be more and more um, available to my like showing showing my fans um that like hey like I it does mean something to me like I'm it's really cool to me that you connected with my music and you know I'm try to like acknowledge that by you know taking some time to write them like a handwritten card and then also just trying to be more and more honest in my um lyric writing which is hard um because it you have to be super vulnerable to do that, but trying to be more honest because I, I think that honesty connects. I mean, that's when you hear a song and you're like, Oh my God, they get me that, you know, I, that is the piece of that that's connecting is that honest quality. Like you said something that sparked something in somebody else and you just can't really fake that. Like you can't be clever and make that happen. Like you, you just have to be honest. So that's what my focus is more um, and more is just like, is this song really honest enough, you know, without like, you know, without like, you know, sharing all my skeletons for right. somebody else. But, um, but that's what's great about um, art, you know, is that you can be poetic about it, but you still yeah. need to be honest. Okay. So I'm going to appeal to your business side okay. now. Um, and I'm going to ask you about your streams of income. You know, people that listen to this show, part of our thing is entrepreneur and musician. So I'm trying to help yeah. people get, get a handle on the business side. And so people like to hear kind of where you get all your streams of income from, you know, is most of your money from shows or from CDs, or is it from licensing or, you know, songwriting, um, royalties, where does it all come from? Yeah, for me. And I think this is probably true for most, um, independent artists is concerts is the biggest one. And then I would say licensing second, I'd love for it to be music sales because, you know, that's your that really is kind of like your main product. That's what you're putting out. But um, it's so hard, like the market kind of won't allow you to price the CDs and um, merchandise for what it costs you to make it. So you kind of 
um, your margins are pretty slim. Yeah. And then like iTunes and um, Amazon's and all of those things, like they already have their set, like this is what we're going to sell it for. So you don't really have any say in that. Um, But so concerts really because you can, you just have ability to net a lot more if you don't have to, um, if you don't have extensive production costs, like paying the venue a big cut or having to pay a, you know, a bunch of band members, like concerts are probably the biggest one. And licensing is something that I've gotten into in the last couple of years. Um, but always really wanted to pursue that because that is that if you can get into it and get connected and get a great, like, song pitcher placement person you have the potential to make the most money there because really it's just um you know the cost to it's the cost you already incurred to make and record your song and you could even you know if if somebody else is depending on what kind of artist you are you could even do a demo and have somebody else cut it but you're but the licensing money you know is really just like all gross um to you so that's I, I'm really excited about the future of licensing and um, for for songwriters, for singer songwriters. Um, it seems like a great avenue to pursue um, it. Like I said, if you can get into it, because, I mean, a lot of people want in and there's, you know, not like, you know, there's not, you know, that many slots for everything. But I've had a couple songs. Like I said, I had my song on Justified um, earlier this year and um I've had in a couple of different commercials, um, regional commercials, um, different songs here and there. So I think that that is pretty exciting for independent musicians also, because if you own all of your masters, you own all all the rights to your music, which most independents do, then it's a lot easier to negotiate contracts for licensing because they only have one person to deal with. As opposed, yeah, no publishers, right. no co-writers. Yeah, right. As opposed to like a team of people, um, they don't have to get permission from anybody else. It's just you, and so it's cheaper and easier for them. Um, so I think that independents actually have an advantage in that way. And a lot of a lot of music that I hear on um, television shows, especially like um, the ABC shows and CW, I. I recognize who the artists are and I know that they're an independent artist. So I know that that's, and they still might have like, you know, a team of people working with them, but they still own all the rights to their music, um, which isn't, you know, you can't do if you're on a label. So I think that's kind of exciting. It is. I see stuff all the time come across my email of people on women of substance that, you know, are announcing my song's going to be on this. My song's going to be on this show, you know? And it's great. It's I see it a lot more than I ever did when I first started the station in 2007. Yeah. So and it's definitely. Increasing. By the way, time out. I just wanted to say I love the name of your show. I've oh. all, I've all, <laughs> That's good. Some people don't get it. Like literally one person called my house and said, I don't. Is your is your show about people that have substance problems? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> it's like, what? First of all, I don't know how they got my phone number, but they right. actually called That's my a house. Scarier question. Yeah, I don't put it online, so I don't get it. But and then someone else said, oh, "Is it for people that are overweight, oh. like women that are overweight?" Oh no! 
well, you need like a substance abuse line, like just to uh, get, just to have ready, right. like in case you, in case no, you're <laughs> calling for this, right. here's the number, right? Here's the right. Al-Anon, right? Here's the right number to call. No, um, no, I did not. I did not think that. Um, no, I, I love it. I love it. Um, because, um, I just love it. I love what you're trying to do. And I love that that's actually the name because there's so much fluff, you know, there out there. And I feel like you can be a woman of substance without being a downer or, you know, something like people are like, oh, you know, like we're going to get a lesson in something or like a soapbox. Like you, I just, I, that it just means like standing for something and like actually trying to do something meaningful. And right. And sometimes my, you know, my standing for something is definitely about lyrics, but sometimes it's about, wow, this is just a really well-crafted pop song. Like yes. maybe it's not about something that's you know, like super deep, right. but it's so good. Yeah. You know, the quality is so good. So I always say, you know, the substance can be either about the lyrics or just about the the quality of what I'm hearing. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I love awesome. it. I'm a fan. Thanks. <laughs> well, obviously I'm a fan of yours because I've played something off of like every single one of your albums. <laughs> oh, thank <so>. you. <laughs> Do you have a book or an online resource that you can recommend to our listeners that maybe you've used to help you in your music business or your creative side or even just like self-improvement? I am a big self-improvement junkie. Like I, <laughs> I read those books all the time. Um, but the the one that I finished most recently and it had a big impact on me um, was a book called Daring Greatly. And it's written by a social researcher named Brene Brown. She had a TED talk a couple of years ago. I've heard of her. Okay. okay. She's like, a, she speaks at different places too, right? Mm-hmm. She does. Okay. She's a speaker. And she, why, why it meant so much for me as a writer is because she did like 12 years of research on vulnerability and kind of like, uh, how it affects people. Um, the, different implications that it has like it's sort of this thing that everybody's afraid of right I mean it's what we try to avoid most of the time and um she wrote this book about it um based on all of her research called Daring Greatly and she talks in it about how like vulnerability as much as you try to avoid it really is the birthplace of all creativity and Mm -hmm. um it was it's an extremely powerful book like because it's really I mean she's not like, you know, a writer per se. Like she's kind of just like saying, okay, here's what I found. Like, these are kind of like, this is, this is the, these are the facts. Like, this is what I found out through like, you know, years and years of interviews with men and women. And, um, I just, you know, it, it really sort of like solidified for me, this idea that like in, in your writing, like, vulnerability really is your strength it it's not your weakness and even as a performer that's something that I've tried to become more and more and I think it's made me a better performer um because you always think like well you know I need to be like you know and I need to be um on for this performance and some like a lot of times like the most affecting performances are not when you are just like killing it it's when you are the most you are the you're performing your own song in the most honest way. And if that's a sad song, it may be that, you know, you like you feel all of that when you're performing it. And that's a vul- it takes vulnerability to do that. But that's what really connects to other people. And that's what can have a lot of power. 
Um, and I saw that that firsthand when I was at a um, I did a I mentioned before, like I have a heart for um, young girls and um, I was doing a performance in St. Louis and um, there were uh, it was an all ages show and there were several um, girls in the audience that were like 13, 14, 15, that age. And um, afterward, um, one of them had come up to me and her mom was like, you're her favorite artist. You know, it just means so much to her that she gets to see you in concert. Number one, that blew me away because I was like, mm. I'm somebody's favorite artist. Like, I, <laughs> I really couldn't. Be- I, I just couldn't believe it. And then a- afterward, I was talking to this. Um, we I went out after the show with another friend and um, one of uh, mutual queens uh, of hers had come along and she was this girl's like youth leader. And she just told me she personally, she was like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I thought you did a great job. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. She's like, no, really. She's like, um, you know, I'm, and I'll just call this girl, Mary. Um, I'm Mary's uh, youth leader. And, you know, she's actually like, you know, I've gotten to know her really well. And she told me a little bit of background on sort of like her parents and her parents are both these sort of like what I would call winners, you know, like in, in the business world, like they're, they're, their jobs are always like kind of like they have to be on all the time, mm-hmm. handshaking and stuff. And um, she said, it's really, it means a lot to her to be able to see a woman up there being vulnerable. And, and I like, it just blew my mind when she said that because I had read this book and I really wasn't connecting it. And then I heard that and I was like, oh my gosh, like for her, she saw that as like this incredibly powerful, strong thing that you would that you would allow yourself to be vulnerable in front of other people and that it could actually be seen by, you know, this 15 year old girl as something that was so strong. And that to me was just like she couldn't have said anything better to me. It just it sort of reinforced that point for me that that actually is what people want. Yeah, I'm hearing that more and more and seeing that in people that I work with and trying to encourage that in artists. Yeah. Because you're right. Some sometimes artists, especially as indies, like we feel like we need to compete with the big people. Oh, totally. And so it's like we need to be perfect on stage and no one needs to know, you know, don't let them see you sweat and all that. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And and that is still there because you know, I'm a human being. So like it's always what you're competing with, like that that feeling of like, I need to be on, I need, I don't want them to see me sweat. Um, cause I want to be taken seriously. You know, I want to think everybody think I'm legit. So you're definitely competing against that. But to somebody that's young, you know, and sees you to them, it's like, Oh, I could do that. You know, like mm-hmm. she seems like somebody that I could, that I could, I could be like her. And in a way where they're kind of like, because you're up there doing it, like, you're you're actually up there doing it. You're on a stage like it is. You have to be brave to do that. And um, so, you know, when when you show that piece of like humanity, it connects them to you and they're like, oh, I, I could maybe that could be me, you know, because if you're if you're kind of larger than life, like people don't ever think that they can touch you or I could never do that. Um, right. But so that's I, I just think that it's really cool to try to explore that as a as an artist and as a performer if you want definitely what's what's the name of the book again it's called daring greatly okay daring uh-huh. greatly. i'll put it's, that in our show notes for sure it's it's a good one 
Well, I can't believe it. I've had such a great time talking with you. You too, but Brie. It, our, our time is up. Oh, no. But can you tell people how they can find you online? Sure. Um, you know, your website, social media, all that. Maybe where you're playing sometime soon. Sure. Um, yeah, you can find me. I'm on I'm on everything. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, and my website is milasmith.com. Um, so if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at mylamusic. Uh, Twitter is at mylasmith. Facebook is Mila Smith Music. And then I'm playing, uh, my next big show is I'll be playing at the Moon River Festival um, in at the Levis Shell again, which I mentioned, mm. so <laughs> um, in Memphis um, in August. And that's, I'll be opening for Need to Breathe, which, Ooh. yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me and um, taking it away from your accounting clients. <laughs> oh, yeah. They don't. Don't worry. They don't mind. <laughs> oh, that's good. But thanks a lot. And it's been great to catch up with you after all these years of like emailing and, know. E you know, and music and all that. It's so great to hear your voice. You actually sound um, it's because I, I'm not I can't look at you when we're talking, but you actually like sort of remind me of the lady from Cereal. The pod. Oh, really? Yeah, uh -huh. Well, that's cool since I'm a podcaster. Yes. So I appreciate that. Maybe it's just the podcast voice. I don't know. I'm not, I don't that's know. Funny. I'll have to go back and listen to that and see if I sound like Sarah Koenig. Yes, that's her name. I couldn't remember. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with that podcast. Were you? See, I have not, I, everybody I know was obsessed with it and I just haven't gotten into it because I knew I didn't have time to be obsessed with right. anything. With launching, you know, two podcasts in the right. last six months, it's just like, oh, oh I don't have time. But whenever you do, uh, though, um, if nobody spoiled it for you yet, it's no one spoiled it for me. I didn't listen to them. I said la 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 la. <laughs> they started talking about it. It's very addictive. But yes, you sound a lot like her. Oh, cool! I'm gonna check it yeah. out. Okay, well, um, I am so glad to have talked to you, and it's been great. And I can't wait for everybody to hear all of your wiseness. Oh, thanks so much, Bree. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks for being a champion for all of these women. I really appreciate that. I love doing it. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.